0: Hey y'all! Listen, um, before I jump into this, can we pray? I was gonna ask you to pray for me because I, I'm like I know today we're celebrating the resurrection, but I feel like I've also come back to life because I was in bed all day yesterday um, with that thing that's going around. I, I'm I'm staying away from y'all so like you don't get sick or anything like that. But um, because of we have like this age of smartphones and we can keep up with news all the time, I just like happened to check my phone and saw that. On the other side of the world, in Sri Lanka, there were bombings in churches during their Easter celebration, and 207 people are dead. So can we pray for them? And then um, we'll pray for God to give me strength too, but I just want to pray. I think part of being in the body of Christ is knowing what's going on in the body of Christ. And it's awesome, isn't it, to be sitting here? Like we're not really worried about people coming in here and doing crazy stuff, but in other parts of the country it's not quite the same. So let's pray for our brothers and sisters. Can we do that? That's an odd way to start, but you're good with that right yeah father right now in your name jesus um we just recognize the world that we live in and you know there's no power that's greater than your power there's no weapon that can be formed against us that can prosper but right now we know this god we know that on the other side of the world there are brothers and sisters who are mourning right now and i pray god that you would do in their lives what we're celebrating today that you would bring life out of death that you would bring um your purpose out of disaster. I thank you that you're with them right now, God, and that you are stronger and greater than all these threats in the world that we see all the time. We just speak your life and your grace in that situation. In your name, Jesus. Amen. Hey, um, what's the longest road trip you've ever been on? Longest road trip you've ever been on. We could answer that a couple of ways probably, right? Um, let's see. The longest road trip, I, I think it might be when I took a, a group of teenagers out to Saint uh, Springfield, Missouri. And I don't know how many hours that is. It's like a ton, like 14 hours. But what I do remember is we went out for the trip, and then out there we did stuff, and then we came back. And on the way back, I drove. And I don't remember any part of that trip back. Like, have you ever been on a road trip that long, and by the time you get back, you're so tired, you can't remember anything that took place during the trip. That's a long road trip. I've also been on road trips that weren't nearly as long mileage-wise, but it was because of the people that I was with. Like, you leave here, and you're in Norwood, and you're like, God, have we been driving for like hours already? like, they're just, it's just not an, it's an awkward ride, and it just becomes this long, long trip. This, we've been on this long journey since, jeez, we started 2015. We started in December doing this series called True Story, walking through the Book of Luke, and we have gone 76 messages. Um, there's 24 chapters in Luke. There are 1,100 chapters. I chapters. 1,100 verses, and there's 20,000 words in the Gospel of Luke. And we have done all of that. Pat yourself on the back. Give yourselves a hand. That's good stuff, right? Long, long road trip. And today is the last day in this series. So if you came for the first time, you're like, yeah, sweet. I, like, missed out on all 76 other messages. I'm getting the last one. So here's the quick recap. The Gospel of Luke, the book of Luke in your Bible, was written by Luke. And he wrote it because a man named Theophilus asked him, Hey, listen, before all these eyewitnesses die that saw these works of Jesus, these crazy claims that I've heard this man Jesus do, would you do me a favor? Would you take, take some time? And it was two years' worth. Would you take two years, and will you investigate all those claims? And then when you get done, will you let us know if we could trust, if we, if we could trust the things that we've heard, if they're reliable, if they're true? And so just like in our culture, hashtag true story means it's, hey, a true story. Luke in your gospel, in your Bible, is actually like hashtag true story. He came back and said, Here, Theophilus, this is what I found. And it's actually true. Every last bit of it is true. We can trust it. And so we've been on this journey walking through this true story of Luke. We started a series a few weeks back called The Culmination, and this is it. Today's the culmination. It's the end of the book. It's the end of Jesus' ministry on earth. It's the end. And yet, it's not, right? Because the resurrection's just the beginning. This is the beginning of a brand new story. It's, we're not going to do it. We've we've done the book of Acts before, but if you start in Luke and start reading the book of Acts, that's actually the next book that he wrote. So, he said, like, I, tra- I, I, I did all this investigation with Jesus, found out that what he said was true, and when his time on earth ended, the church's time on earth began in Acts. That's the next part of the story, right? So, what we're going to see this morning in Luke chapter 24, this last chapter of Acts, is we're going to see a ton of movement, right? Tons of movement. And here's why. Because the resurrection moves us. That's your big idea today. That's what I want you to remember. The resurrection moves us. It's not something that we just talk about and move on. It's, it's something that calls us to action, it, cha- it challenged us to do something because Jesus rose from the dead. In, the, in this chapter, we're going to see women moving, Peter moving, two men on a road going to Emmaus. They're moving. The disciples were moved. The church was moved, and the church is still moved today. Some of us are moved to Jesus for the first time. Some of us are moved for Jesus to do something for him for the first time. God wants us to move but here's what I want you to see. Before we can move forward, sometimes there's things we have to move past. And there's three things in this chapter that I think God wants us to move past. The resurrection moves us past these three things. Here's the first one. It moves us past our doubts. Starting in verse 1, it says this, but very early on Sunday morning. How many of y'all are morning people? Uh, and the rest of you, I'm assuming, aren't awake yet, right? Yeah. Like, But very early on Sunday morning, the women went to the tomb, taking the spices that they had prepared. They found that the stone had been rolled away from the entrance. So they went in, but they didn't find the body of the Lord Jesus. Now let me ask you this question. If you were the women and you had heard Jesus talk about how he was going to be killed and then three days later he was going to rise, and you went into the tomb and didn't see a body, it just seems to me that you would be like, sweet, it happened. He's alive. He's alive. But that's not what happened. It says in verse 4, As they stood there puzzled, two men suddenly appeared to them, clothed in dazzling robes. The women were terrified. They bowed with their faces to the ground. Then the men asked, Why are you looking among the dead for someone who's alive? He's not here. He's risen. Remember what he told you back in Galilee, that the Son of Man must be betrayed into the hands of sinful men and be crucified, and that he would rise again on the third day. And then they remembered. So the women were full of doubt, right? They were full of doubt. They were sometimes doubt, just, it, it overrides even what we know. Have you ever prayed for something for so long and then it happened? And then you were like, did it really happen? I've done that before. I've, I've, I've prayed for somebody before like, hey, God, just touch their back, heal their back, and then they're like, man, my back feels a lot better. And I'm like, really? You ever, you ever, you ever surprised when God answers prayer? Or sometimes we pray for something, and then when it does happen, we're not sure if it will last. You pray for somebody who doesn't know Jesus, a close friend, a family member, and they come to know the Lord. And you're like, this is fantastic. And then a week later, you're like, is it going to stick? And I think that's how the women were. They were so full of doubt that they couldn't even see what was happening in front of them. So full of doubt So they rushed back, verse 9, from the tomb to tell his 11 disciples and everyone else what had happened. They moved back. Verse 10, it was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary, the mother of James, and several other women who told the apostles what had happened. But the story sounded like nonsense to the men. You know why? Because it was a room full of women talking at one time. Right? That's why. And they're like, I don't even know what you're saying right now. I have no idea. And they didn't believe it. The disciples didn't believe it. They had also heard Jesus say, on the third day, I'll rise again. And they didn't believe it. Verse 12, however, Peter jumped up and ran to the tomb to look. Stooping, he peered in and saw the empty linen wrappings. And then he went home again, wondering what had happened. Even Peter, when he saw the proof, didn't believe. There's so much doubt here in this story. And then on the road to Emmaus, we'll we'll see about two men who are walking and talking about all that had happened. And they're doubting that Jesus rose from the dead. They're thinking it's all over. The disciples are going to doubt again. And one time they're going to doubt while they're looking right at Jesus. Like so much doubt. What I want you to see today is this. That Jesus never belittled them because they doubted. He understands doubt. And I'm, I'm glad for that because there are things I doubt about, right? There are things that you doubt about. Some of us in this room right now, we're still not even sure if Jesus rose from the dead. Like, I get it. It's Easter, and we're supposed to go to church and wear something nice, and you, they're going to talk about the resurrection. And I'm not sure if that even really happened. And I just want you to know, well, I'm not going to go into all of it today, that throughout history there have been, have been hardcore atheists who have studied and researched the resurrection for one reason only, just to def- just to refute it and show that it didn't happen. Because they understood what Paul said when he said, if the resurrection didn't happen, our faith is in vain. And so men and women would try to refute it just to prove that Christianity wasn't true. And as a result, they became followers of Jesus. There's a lot of evidence for the, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And those people came to follow him as they researched it. So we don't have to doubt the resurrection. Have you ever doubted that God is good? And I know I have. Sometimes we doubt God's goodness on Friday, right? But we don't wait until Sunday to see what's the end of the story. And listen, Jesus on the cross doesn't look good. But Jesus coming out of a tomb is good stuff. We don't have to doubt the goodness of God. What I want you to see is that Jesus understands our doubts, and he uses truth to to bring us out of that doubt. So many times in Luke chapter 24, when they would start to doubt, either the angel or Jesus would start to open up Scripture and show them, this is what God said. Don't forget, like, remember. I love how the angel's like, remember, this is what he said. This is what you're supposed to be looking for. There's a reason there's not a body here. And if you want to overcome doubt in your life, Can I just recommend the Bible? Just fill yourself with the truth of God. Man, find a reading plan. Start filling yourself with God's Word. It overcomes the doubts that we carry. The resurrection moves us past our doubts. Verse 13 says, That same day two of Jesus' followers were walking to the village of Emmaus, seven miles from Jerusalem. So these people would have been in the room that heard from the women. And as a result of hearing from the women that the body's not there, their plan was, let's go to Emmaus. So they go on a little road trip. They're taking a walk to Emmaus. And they start to show us the second obstacle, the second thing that we need to move past, and it's our pain. Do you know people in your life that, um, I'm trying to say this in a nice way because it's not like, it's not really drama. I I know people are drama queens and drama kings, but like what they're doing is they're just recounting the worst day of their life. Do you know people like this? And at some point, you're just like, stop. I've heard this story so many times. And so they're walking to Emmaus talking about all that had happened over the last few days, about how he'd been betrayed and about how he'd been crucified and he was buried into a tomb. And now, apparently, there's not even a body in the tomb. I mean, they're saying all the things, but they're not. it's not clicking for them, right? What, what, is, what is that game? Is it Mad Libs where you have to, like, read the, the words, and you try to guess what phrase they're saying, and they actually are saying the right thing, but they don't have any idea what they're saying. That's kind of how it is right here with these men. They're saying all the right things, but they're not making the connection that, wait, the reason Jesus is sitting in the tomb is because he's risen. And as they're talking about that, who shows up? Jesus. And they still don't recognize him. I mean, I don't even know what they're thinking. I mean, he can't be like a normal person because he just appears, right? And so they have this conversation with him, and now they're telling Jesus about all the things that Jesus just did. And then Jesus tells them, opens up Scripture, and I love this. He starts to show them how he is present in Scripture all the way through. Man, you want to revolutionize the way that you read the Bible? Start looking for Jesus in every passage you read. And Jesus starts showing them like, you know, like, hey, way back the Passover, right? If you're reading through the Bible with us this year, you've read about the Passover. He's like, that was me. That was preparing, that was pointing to what I just did. When, when when Adam and Eve first sinned in Genesis 3, 15, when God said, Look, I'm going to send a deliverer, that's me. He showed them all these things. And they still didn't get it. Until they asked him to stay a little bit longer. Verse 28. By this time they were nearing Emmaus and the end of their journey. And Jesus acted as, as if he were going on. But they begged him, stay the night with us since it's getting late. So he went home with them. And as they sat down to eat, he took the bread and blessed it. He, he broke it and gave it to them. And suddenly their eyes were opened and they recognized him. And then he disappeared. <laughs> That's fantastic, Jesus, right? I finally see who you are, and he's disappeared. Man, I want you to get this. The presence of Jesus changes everything. He's he's walking with them on the road to Emmaus. He's sharing scripture, he's revealing truth. And if they had not asked him to stay the night, he would have kept on going, and they would never have seen him break the bread. They would never have had their, their eyes opened. The presence of of Jesus changes everything. It opened their eyes. Listen, it took a mundane meal and made it an unforgettable revelation. I've always read that story thinking that Jesus shared communion with these guys, but he didn't share communion with them. They just had a meal together. And I don't know what like today's Easter and y'all going to have great food, right? You're going to have some good food today, like hams and all that kind of stuff you've made. It's going to be so, it's going to be a meal to remember. But what about the forgettable meals? Right? The I'm really tired and I don't want to cook and I'm just gonna go to the value, the value menu, right? But we have forgettable meals all the time, mundane moments all the time. And the presence of Jesus changed what was mundane into something that was holy. He grabbed that piece of bread that they had all the time at every meal and he broke it, and him breaking it reminded them of what he had done before when he served communion. The presence of Jesus, it makes sense of their experience. When, when they realized it was Jesus, they turned to one another, and this is what they said. That's why our hearts were burning. I didn't know why, but back, back then when we were walking on the road with Jesus, we didn't know who he was, and he kept talking about the scriptures, and our hearts were burning on the inside, and we didn't know why they were burning, but now we know. His presence makes sense of the experience. His presence in your life can make sense of some of the past experiences you've had. And his presence moved them. Verse 33 says, within the hour they were on their way back to Jerusalem. The NIV says, at once they got up. Man, his presence moves us. When they realized it was the resurrected Jesus, the resurrection moves us. And not only does it move them past their pain, but it moved them back to the very place of their pain, the place where he had been crucified. They went back to that place. And why would they do that? Because they were changed, because they had hope. So he moves us past our doubts and past our pain, right? And then we find ourselves in this room a lot like the disciples were when the, women, when the men from Emmaus got back to them. In verse 35 it says, Then the two from Emmaus told their story of how Jesus had appeared to them. As they were walking along the road, how they had recognized him when he broke the bread. And just as they were telling it, Jesus himself suddenly was standing there among them. Jesus is so sneaky, isn't he? It's like he appears on the road to Emmaus. He's appearing right here. Peace be with you, he said. But the whole group was startled and frightened, thinking that they were seeing a ghost. Why are you frightened, he asked. Why are your hearts filled with doubt? Look at my hands and look at my feet. You can see that it's really me. Touch me and make sure that I'm not a ghost, because ghosts don't have bodies, as you see that I do. And as he spoke, he showed them his hands and his feet. And still they stood there in disbelief, filled with joy and wonder. Some translators would say this, that they were overcome. They was like, this is too good to be true. Can this really be Jesus standing right here in front of us? What I want you to see is that God is calling us from something to something. It's good that we have moved beyond our our past, beyond our doubts and our pain. But what he wants us to see is I'm taking you somewhere, right? And what does he want us to do? What's he calling us to do? And is it just to be in a room with him? No. And that's what he's going to tell them here. The last obstacle that we've got to move past is ourselves. So he says to them, then still they stood there with disbelief, filled with joy and wonder. And then he asked them, I love how practical Jesus is, do you have anything here to eat? That's a college kid, right? No doubt. No matter what's happening right now, no matter how great this experience is, I see, do you have some food for me right now, right? But what I love about Jesus is they can't quite figure out if it's really him. And so his comment is just like, just give me something to eat. I'm hungry. Let me have something to eat. And so they gave him a fish, and verse 43 says, and he ate it as they watched. Can you just imagine just the What was going on just in that one simple verse? They gave him some fish, and then he ate it as they awkwardly watched him. Do you like for people to watch you eat? I don't know, man. I just see Jesus eating the fish, and they're just like, Jesus eating the fish. He's eating. ghost. Awkward, right? And listen, sometimes that's us. Sometimes we just get so excited. There's nothing wrong with excitement. So excited about what God's doing for us that we think that's the end of the story. And when I say that we need it, the resurrection moves us past ourselves. It moves us past thinking that this is just for us. So what does Jesus say? Verse 44, then he said, when I was with you before, I told you everything written about me in the law of of Moses and the prophets and in the Psalms and that they must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures and he said, yes, it was written long ago that the Messiah would suffer and die and rise from the dead on the third day. And so they're like, check, we understand that part because like here you are eating the fish. Wow, like the word of God was true. And then he follows it up and says, it's also written that this message will be proclaimed in the authority of his name to all nations, beginning in Jerusalem. And that's when he looks at them and he says this, hey, the story's not over, y'all. I'm a, I've risen from the dead. But that's just the beginning. Yes, yeah, Scripture said that I would suffer and die and be raised But Scripture also says that the gospel, this gospel about me being alive will be preached to all the nations starting right here. It was also written, this message will be proclaimed in the authority of his name to all nations. You are witnesses of all these things, and I will send the promise of the Holy Spirit. But stay here in the city until the Holy Spirit comes and fills you with power from heaven. Here's what he's saying to them. Look, I don't want you just to witness me. I want you to witness about me. Don't just sit here in the room and marvel at me eating fish and just watch me and feel good about it. Like, I want you to go out and share the good news. You proclaim the gospel. Jesus told them, move past where you are and see the greater purpose. In other words, here's what he's saying. We can sit here and feel really good about the resurrection, Or we can recognize that the resurrection is the beginning for us. I mean, this is a day of new beginnings, of new hope. This is a day that proves beyond a shadow of a doubt that God can bring life from death, that what we think is over is not over. And he's just simply saying, hey, let's keep writing the story, right? Let's keep writing the story. We want to close the book, and God says there's another chapter. The story isn't over. And I I thought, what better way to illustrate that than to get— A clip from one of my favorite movies, and I know you've seen it. I know you'll love it. It just shows the power of not closing the book too soon. Watch this from up. So the resurrection is about a new adventure. It's not enough for us just to sit here and talk about it. We're supposed to go share it, write more chapters in the gospel, write more chapters in the kingdom of God, see its expansion to the ends of the earth this morning I want to give you the chance to reflect on that and on your part in it. Would you just close your eyes for a moment and bow your head? Let me ask you this. Is it possible that you're here this morning and you've never made a decision to follow Jesus? What does that mean? It means that this this Savior that we've been talking about, this man that we've been talking about that was sent from God to die on a cross and today we celebrate the fact that he rose again. It means that you Make a decision to follow Him, to put all of your trust in who He is and what He did. To not try to get to heaven because you're good or because you're more good than bad, but because He was the perfect sacrifice for your sins. That's what it means to follow Jesus. And then I'm going to make a decision today to trust Him, and then tomorrow I'm going to live for Him. If you've never made that decision and you'd like to do that today, I'm just going to ask you to raise your hand and say, that's me. I would love to give my heart to Jesus today. Anybody here this morning, that would be your heart's cry. Thank you. Let me talk to the believers in the house. Listen, the resurrection is moving us past things because the resurrection is moving us to something. And I just want to, to pray for those here this morning that would say, yeah, the resurrection is moving me. I can tell that it's moving me towards a dream that I have. It's moving me towards a destiny. It's moving me away from a past that I, I want to forget. And it's moving me to hope. Today's going to mark a new chapter in my life, a new beginning. Because the resurrection, is. Mo- it's going to move me to a friend. It's going to move me to a co-worker, to a neighbor. It's going to move me. I'm, I'm not going to stay still because of the resurrection. I'm going to move. And if that's you, would you just raise your hand and say, that's me. And I just want to pray over you as well. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Father, in your name, Jesus, right now, we just want to give these hearts to you. We thank you that you are moving in this place today, that you are not a God who stands still. Thank you that when the stone was rolled away and Jesus walked out, that was the beginning, God, of our story. The beginning of how we were handed a baton by Jesus through the power of the Holy Spirit to take it to the ends of the earth. And we make a a commitment today that that's exactly what we're going to do. We thank you for his life and for the resurrection that gives each one of us in this place hope. In your name, Jesus, amen.